every week we try, and every week we have to actually record the show because it won't do it itself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, if uh, it record. Oh yeah, I've been recording. Yep. Oh, you know, we actually can see ourselves mess oh, up the right. clap. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. One, three, oh, three, three hundred and thirty episodes. <laughs> three. We do not start on one. I'll ah! get it eventually. <laughs> You're fired, Bumpy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hang on. I'm stopping recording. I'm keeping going. Fuck it. All, All right, keep it, it going. I don't right. care. Keep All flailing. <laughs> never gonna start <laughs> and don't mess up my opening all right are you ready uh, yep <laughs> oh dear i know it's one of those times all right must be serious okay, yeah, yeah. must go fast over <laughs> uh, sorry i will take a moment i am a professional yep. right <laughs> All right. Okay. Eight. Eight. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. We're so fired. It's been a minute and a half. <laughs> All right. Stop. Okay. Okay. Three. Three. Two. One. Lots and lots of spoilers. Whoa, it's totally time to blow the lid off this fake reality that some call the Matrix. Don't be sheep. Break free! Learn to dance shoeless in the depths of the earth while sweating loudly to the drums! This is humanity! This is freedom! This is Max Mike Movies! And this week, as a continuance of our series, Leave Them Wanting More, we're diving into that digital realm, the illusion we all agree is life, The Matrix Reloaded. Here, we'll learn about our savior, Keanu Reeves, and his Archbishop, Lawrence Fishburne, as they laugh and dance their way through fight after fight after fight. But After fight, after fight, after fight. <laughs> Sorry, yes, go on. You know who you'll never hear fight? Us, that's who. That over there, sporting the beard that roared, is Agent There's Many More Where I Came From, Max Levine. Mr. Loose. <laughs> Over here, outstaying his welcome, is Agent Don't Call Me Late for Dinner, Mike Loose. Together, we are The Matrix! Woo! We're the Extreme Matrix! <laughs> uh, cue wrestling music, Paul. Okay. Hey, I got a question for you, Max, before we even start. Yeah. Mm. When are sequels not sequels? You broke me. I, I don't know. When they're number twos. <laughs> get it, number twos? <laughs> I get it, because that means poop. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for explaining. We are, we are a class act here at Max Mike Movies. Yep. Yeah, if you only heard the first minute and a half before oh, we started. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, so uh, um, sequels. That's what sequels. we're talking about. 
This is, if, yes, if ever there were a sequel, this is one of them. Yes, certainly is. Uh, but before we get going too far, yeah. there's trivia. Trivialities. The show. Yeah, I just like the pause. It's my favorite part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I right. think it's our audience's favorite part, too. Oh, I know it's Bumpy's favorite part. Uh, first, a little trivia about the original film, the, the Matrix, if you did not know. This is the Matrix Reloaded, the, but the Matrix, though. You, you get the idea. Budget of that film, $63 million. Take of that film, which explains the presence of this film, $465 million. So, Oh, that would be more. That would be more. It won four Oscars. For things like sound editing and visual effects, stuff like that. Yeah. Keanu would, was robbed for best actor. We'll get to that. <laughs> it would spawn not only today's entry in our little show, but a third movie, an animated series called The Animatrix, video games, comic books, action figures, and internal organs. Oops, uh, the, the, that one, last one might be a typo. Uh, and uh, there's going to be a fourth one. Yeah... So there is. Yep. Uh, if we're really lucky this year, we'll also get Godfather 4. But... <laughs> uh, budget of this film. Um, this film was shot back-to-back with Matrix Revolutions, which is the third in this series. Uh, but as far as I could tell, the budget just for this film on its own was somewhere between 127 and $150 million. Boy. The special effects budget alone was $100 million. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you can see that's where the money went. It didn't go into the script. Oh, we'll get to that, too. Uh, Max, take yeah. a guess on the take for this film alone. This is the that's, highest grossing okay. of the current franchise. Of the three, this is yep. the highest grossing? Yep. Um, $800 million. You're close. 741 Wow. So three quarters of a billion dollars. Jeez ma- Louise. Many, many that's- billions of dollar notes were killed for this film. Uh, there were 300 casualties in the making of this movie. Every Besides sing- the audience? <laughs> now we have to hold some surprise for the end. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> you forget our format. Well, oh, only, yeah, right. It's only been 130 episodes. How could I expect yeah, you to yeah. remember? Uh, Who no, are you uh, again? The- <laughs> Stop. Uh, All right, right. The, uh, every car donated to the production from GM uh, died in the making of this film. <laughs> oh, wait, are those the 300 casualties you're counting? Yes, okay. yes. Wow, they killed 300 cars? Yep. I, we got to find out. I wonder if that broke Blues Brothers' record. Because I remember Blues Brothers held the record for like most cars destroyed in a movie for a long time. Huh, probably. 300's a lot. That is a lot of cars. Um, speaking of which, that movie's big chase scene, or this movie's big chase scene, mm. took over three months on its own to shoot. Yikes. Probably why so many GM cars lost their lives. And so we should take a moment of silence for those... Lo- Never mind. Oh, yeah. Um Pour out a WD-40 for our fallen car homies. <laughs> car homies, yeah. Yep. Uh, the Wachowskis, uh, who is, that's how they were known at the time. Um, they had moved from the Wachowski brothers, I believe, at this point to the Wachowskis. Had a clause in their contract that stated that they would not have to do any interviews. Which is a very interesting... That's rare. Point. Yeah. Of the three Matrix movies, as I said, Matrix movies, this one made the most money. Uh, there's a character missing from the first film. Do you know who that was, Max? A character missing? What, what do you mean? A character oh. that that was not, that was in the first but not the second film? Yes. yes. You mean besides the dead ones? Yes. This is the nearly dead character of Dozer. Uh. 
Uh, he was killed yeah. off screen because of a, um, a bit of trouble between actor Marcus Chong and the Wachowskis. The, oh. di- the directors claim that he became belligerent and threatened them, demanding more money. Chong Oops. claims that he was slandered, blackballed, and made to sign a fake contract. He also claims that he was verbally offered the part and that the Wachowskis were at least in breach of contract. But hmm. um, we've seen more Wachowskis and no more of Mr. Chong, so who knows? Hmm. Hmm. During the big fight with all the Smiths, you are not crazy. They do, in fact, use the sound of bowling pins being knocked down at one point. Oh, I thought I was imagining that. All right. No, it's true. And again... uh, yeah, I know. Again, you are not crazy. There is indeed a police call hoping to contact officers Reed and Malloy of 1 Adam 12 during a big <laughs> car chase. Oh, Lord. Yeah, because that doesn't take you out of the film. No, no. Not to mention, how many people even know what what Adam 12 was anymore? I Us. <laughs> yeah. Um, only six months is meant to have passed between Matrix's one or Matrices one end of this movie. The actors would train longer than that just to make the film. It was mostly filmed in Australia. The only part shot in the U.S. were those for the car chase and the Big Smith battle, um, which I think was called the Burley battle. Yeah, I don't know why, but okay. I don't either. No, no one in that fight is particularly burly. Whoa. Um, Unless they mean like Hurley Burley. Hmm. There are tons and tons and tons of Easter eggs, mostly biblical in nature, nature and are just too many to report here. Uh, they also would do things like, uh, I think there's Hinduism in there, Buddhism in there, and uh, the, the Gnostic uh, scriptures, um, yeah. as well as other things, but whatever. As well as it did, Entertainment Weekly would decide that this was one of the 25 worst sequels ever made. Apparently Ouch. they hadn't seen the third film. Uh, but that's a... <laughs> Totally different show that we're not going to make. At least not, not, not as of this broadcast. There is lots more, like how the set material was recycled into things like housing for the poor in Mexico, that it took three hmm. years to make, that even the vaunted bullet time camera wasn't enough to film the so-called Burly Brawl, but if I go into that, we won't have any time for the show. Oh, and there's a sequel to this, too. And hmm. uh, apparently, as Max said, another one on the way, because money. Do you have any other uh, trivia, Max, that you know of to throw in here? Uh, only, it's actually an annoying plot point. The kid, and that is his name, by the way, who, uh, when Neo returns to Zion, is basically his fanatical worshiper. Oh, Neo's puppy, yeah. Yeah, his, yeah the puppy. <laughs> we are never told who he is or why he's so, he, he's so uh, worshipful of Neo because it's not in this movie, you will not know. You don't know who this kid is unless you've actually watched the Animatrix. <laughs> is it you know, the Animatrix, which was like an anthology of several segments, animated segments, taking place in the cinematic universe of the Matrix? <laughs> I'm sorry, that I threw up in my mouth did, a little. Did, did really you have a hairball? I think you had a hairball. Gollum, Gollum. Oh, precious. <laughs> oh, now they know my secret pet nickname for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, they don't know mine for you. It's Lint Ball. Um, <laughs> Coffee uh, up, precious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. It's going to be one of those shows, isn't it? Uh, yes. <laughs> of course they all are. 
Yeah, it, the Animatrix is, a series, is like an anthology series of things that take place in the anime in the Matrix world, and one of them is a sequence with this kid who basically figures out that he's in the Matrix. He blue pills himself, and Neo saves him at one point. There is no way to know this unless you watch this, which I find really irritating. It's sort of like when they put plot segments into a movie where they don't make any sense, but someone always tells you, oh, well, if you'd read the book. It's like, no, I am sorry. A text has to be able to stand by itself to some degree, and you cannot stick in plot points that you have to go read, see, listen to, smell, something else. I, I think that's incredibly lazy. Chew and, and spit. Cheap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And uh, to that's... that point, I was very torn as to whether I was going to try and watch the third one or not. And I decided not to, because like you just said, there shouldn't be anything that takes place in this film unless it's like, you know, a plot element that is meant to unspool. But this film should, we shouldn't be sitting here going, what the heck was that? Yeah. Because um, that's not cool. Because that's just like no. making them. You so know, ha- that, that was the only triviality I had. All right, so let's get to the uh, to get to the plot. Yeah, this was easy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Deep breath. <sighs> oh, I'm getting dizzy. Whew. Neo, super magic machine buster, has been freeing minds from evil. Com- I'm <laughs> going to have to start again because I can't read my own plot synopsis. <laughs> Put the emphasis where the comments oh, are. Yeah. Okay. Neo, super magic machine buster, has been freeing minds from the evil computer-made matrix, the false simulated world in which we all live. They, they all live, not not us. Humanity. You you get the idea. See, machines turned on us way back somewhere, and they plugged us into energy-producing grid because we made it cloudy, so they had no solar power. What? Well, it would take a scientist to explain it. Anyway, (laughs) we pick up with Neo, Morpheus, and all the gang as things are heating up between Zion, the last human stronghold, deep breath, the Earth head and the machines who live pretty much everywhere else. Agent Smith, whom Neo thought destroyed in the last movie, has in fact transformed into something not quite programmed, not quite human, and is out to destroy Neo and anyone that gets in the way of him destroying Neo. Neo, meanwhile, is trying to seek the advice of the Oracle, a machine that seems to want to help humans with vague predictive utterances and the occasional cookie. When he finally finds her, she tells him things he already knows, but gives him an address so he can go meet the Merovingian, a... another program thingy that supposedly has the keymaker, yet another program thingy that will get him many steps closer to whatever it is he has to go to, to. Along the way, there are lots of fights, explosions, and car chases galore. Will our hero find his true purpose? Will humans be eradicated from the face of the earth for all time? Will we get an actual answer or have to wait for another movie? Watch and see. The lowdown. Okay, so, that's that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> it was interesting to write, but uh, yeah. Mm. So um, I'm going to ask a quick question to start this off, Max. Uh, what happens... Perhaps when uh, writer directors start taking themselves a a little too seriously, <coughs> camera. <coughs> <coughs> uh, I can tell you exactly what happens. This movie. Oh dear. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh. So I mean, they might as well have started the film with. Meanwhile, back in the Matrix, because the end of the meanwhile. first. Well, the, the end of the first film, I was fine with. Well, I, so let's start off with that. You yeah. liked The Matrix, right? I did. I thought The Matrix was a great action movie. It didn't try to be too much. The camera work was innovative and unusual. The effects, 
people forget now because like things like bullet time and such are kind of standard. Mm-hmm. This was groundbreaking. Right. I mean, every, apparently it made wearing black vinyl hip. Or <laughs> hey, some of I us got... already were uh, not us. I meant people, other people. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, it, it it was, and it was also just really fun. It was well paced. Hugo Weaving is yeah. wonderful to watch in it, <laughs> and of course yeah. gives us the opportunity to say, <laughs> "Welcome to Rivendell, Mister no, Mister Anderson." Yes. <laughs> And I tell you something, Mr. Baggins, <laughs> I hate hobbits. It's the smell. Hell. <laughs> he, that, that speech, yeah. that I hate human speech, that, that's one of the things that bothers me about this second movie, is he doesn't have anything close to that. They no. try. Yeah. He gets a monologue along with everyone else. We'll get to that. Yeah. But, yeah. The, uh, but to answer your question, yes, I liked the first one a lot. I think the first one's a lot of fun. I think it's well done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it has an ending where basically Neo gets to the point where he is, we assume, the Messiah. He goes off to do Neo things. He basically proves I can bend the Matrix, which is this constructed reality in which we all live, to his whim. He can do, he can fly, he can make ripples appear through buildings, he can make cheese sandwiches without using bread. <laughs> he can I, basically play the Matrix in God mode. Right. And he goes off to do whatever he's supposed to do. And then we get to this thing, and I'm actually going to bring up an old quote from uh, from Spock in the original Star Trek series that I have actually used in my life and that I think is very uh, uh, appropriate here. And the quote is, you may find after a while that having is not so pleasing a thing as wanting. And that, of course, is the whole basis of this time. (laughs) Yes, it is. Uh, Nerds! And who is he saying it to? Our favorite Vulcan, Stan! Stan! (laughs) That's S-T-O-N apostrophe and no, it's not, but that's whatever. He he needs one. Poor Stan. Poor Um, old Stan. You only got one line. Um, but this, anyway. to me, this is the basis of our whole series. And that mm-hmm. is that it is true. And I, I have found this true. And I actually did this once when I was a kid. I wish I could remember what it was. But I convinced myself not to buy something because I realized that the idea of wanting it was more fun than actually owning it. And with sequels, it's kind of the thing. You sit there and you, oh, I really want to know what happens next. No, you don't. Because mm-hmm. then things happen. This that- ha- <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, this happens. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, no, that that's that's a point. Now, again, some sequels work. Godfather Two, I think, worked. I know you didn't like it as much. No, there are sequels that uh, that do work. But yes, you have to be very careful about what you wish for. And sequels that are made simply because, wow, this first one made a pant load of money. Yeah, that's yeah, they're less likely to work out well. Now, Max, I, this is skipping ahead, but do you think that the only reason there's a second Matrix film is because of money? Yes, I really do. <laughs> because the first one is very nicely self-contained. It yeah. works out. It, 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 it's in a lot of ways, and I hate to keep bringing it up, it's like A New Hope. It's like the first Star, Star Wars movie. Right. The real first Star Wars movie. Yeah. It works on its own. It, it, has some, it leaves us with some questions, but they're questions that are kind of more fun for us to try to answer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, it doesn't necessarily scream out, I need a sequel. No. Yeah, uh, it doesn't, however, answer. And I'm sorry, I have to get one nerd thing out of the way here. Here it comes. The science in the Matrix is <laughs> crap. Yes. It's utter crap. The whole 
There, it, it is a mass, and I'm sorry, it's a massive plot flaw, I think. That whole thing of using human beings as batteries doesn't work. And you can check anywhere, you check the entire internet. There are cabillions of, of sites, many written up by actual people with science degrees, saying that whole thing about how much heat the human body gives off and how much bioelectricity we give off and poop. is nonsense. <laughs> it's nonsense. The energy required to keep a human body alive is so much more, so much more than you would get out of it. It's just, it's silly. And it's like, what, the, the machines couldn't figure out geothermal? Well, because the humans do in this film, we see them doing it. Yeah. So, um, I, so I'm glad you brought that up, because I actually thought about this, which, you know, yeah. did hurt, but, you know, there you go. And I think that what happens here, and this is sort of skipping ahead a little bit, but I think what happens is that the Wachowskis miss a huge opportunity. So the first film, yes, if you think about that main aspect of the film, it doesn't make any sense. But the thing is, the rest of the film is cool enough that you're willing to go, eh, whatever, because it's yeah. fine. But by the time we get to a second film, it's like, and we see Zion, which is filled with a quarter of a million people, because they tell us that is, and they are the thing is lit like a mall, and you're like, yeah. well, where's this coming from? That was one of my notes. And then they show you, oh, they're plugged into geothermal, and it's like, so the machines just need to be near a volcano, and they're fine. Okay. Never mind the fact, what keeps them on Earth in, in the first place? Why don't they just leave? The, but, the, tech, not, the tech level is incredible. Not to mention the fact, really, you guys can do all of this, but you can't just say, I don't know, put a power-collecting satellite above the cloud cover right? So and run a heart. They're not like they have to worry about environmental issues. So this is what I came up with. And I'm sure mm. I, that I'm not the only person. I didn't go bother Googling this or whatever, but this is what I came up with. And um, as I watched the film, the more actually, it, it, to be fair, it, it took place the day after I watched the film. But what if instead needing humans for power, which obviously makes no sense at all, the machines, which were originally created by humans, have become in some ways like their creators. As such, they don't need the energy from them, as has been proved by Zion running off geothermal and never having made sense in the first place. What they need humans for is the craving for emotional content and conflict. Left alone, they stagnate. With humans, even though they hate them, they grow. The most effective machine characters are those with human traits, the sensualists such as Smith, the Merovingian, and the Architect. The humans that are the most successful are those that are the most machine-like, such as Neo, Morpheus, and Trinity. None of this is actually, of course, in the movie, because we spend far too much time dealing with the surface-level flashy stuff, such as fights and car chases. But this could have been a really interesting search into humanity, what it means to be human, the crossover with created intelligence, but in the end, it's just a hero story with fights and guns. Mm. Also, whenever a human character rejects its other side, such as the logic and cold detachment, that's when they get into trouble. When the machines are just logical and systematic, they too don't do as well. It's the mix that actually seems to work. An interesting idea. And this yeah, it's, a, it's a lot more abstract, honestly. Despite the, how abstract this movie tries to get, mm -hmm. it, that's, that's uh, much more philosophical than any of the drivel they come up with. See, my thought was, uh, why don't they just say the, the human brain's processing power and storage is actually pretty impressive. Maybe they needed humans as a neural net. For additional uh, processing power. Are you trying in fact to trying to uh, convince me that I have forty psi in my head? <laughs> yes, we got the Johnny <laughs> mnemonic thing going here. Or Johnny Moronic. Yeah. Um, I just 
you know, I thought that that would have actually been a lot more interesting. It actually does harken back, you know, I already mentioned Star Trek, the original series, but the first ever filmed Star Trek, which was The Cage, deals with this. The idea that there are people that can no longer create their own emotional experiences and they feed off other beings, which is why Captain Christopher Pike gets into trouble. Um, but stuff like that... Yeah, really... that would have been a, this would have been a whole other movie, probably a more interesting one. Oh, wait, before we get too interesting, uh, just yeah. like Matrix... Bam! Kapow! Bloom! Oh, right. <laughs> just, you know, because it's themic. That, that's that's <laughs> one of the things I, about the, this movie. This movie is a long string of extremely long fight sequences. Oh, yes. Broken up by, not, by a little dialogue and a whole lot of speech-making. Yeah. Um, my first note was actiony, actiony, boom, boom. <laughs> like there are yeah. so many fights, and the thing, my my, this is again. I know we're giving away some stuff. One of my problems with this movie is while the fights technically are much bigger scale and it, visually very impressive, they aren't as effective or as exciting as they are in the first movie. Right. That whole sequence where Neo fights. Literally, apparently, there's 80 of them at one point. 80 clones of Smith, all Hugo Weaving. No, they weren't all, all Hugo. Excuse me, they were all other people with Hugo Weaving's face CGI'd onto them. Right. In some cases, pretty obviously. Not a lot of the cases, not. I mean, visually, again, I can't take anything away from that, especially for the time. It was really impressive. That fight is not nearly as effective or as tense or as exciting as just Smith versus Neo in the subway in the first movie. Right. That's a great fight sequence. The choreography is terrific. It looks cool. There's still bullet time tricks and some weird you know, wire foo going on. But you, you're much more invested. This one, it's cartoonish, even to the point of the bowling pin sounds. Which, I mean, re did you hear that? Because I heard it. And I, I like, that did. Can't, that can't be what I think I, it is. I thought I misheard. I honestly did. I thought, oh, that's weird. It sounded like bowling pins. That's so dumb of me. I mean, you know where my head went as soon as I heard that and they all scattered? The Flintstones. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was that dumb. Um, and then the one Adam 12, I, 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 again, I would like to go out on a limb here and say, stop doing Easter eggs. Stop. Yeah. If it's not part of the story... If it's something that you're referencing some other outside popular culture, stop doing it. It takes people I don't, out. No, I don't mind Easter eggs if they're fairly subtle. Not if they're sh It's not an Easter egg if they if that's what's happening on screen. Well, except for me, if it does, it's not part of the story. Mm -hmm. It's specifically there to take you out of the story. It doesn't serve the story. It's just there to be cute or funny or referential. If it doesn't aid the... Now, I don't mind there being Easter eggs like, you know, Star Wars fans who see a character and they know it from a novel, but that character does not impact the plot heavily enough for you to be required to read the novel. That's fine. That's cool. In The Mandalorian, they did this with... Um, oh, I can't think of her name. Um... And I just watched Rebels again, too. There's a character very, very prominent in Rebels. She's also from Clone Wars, and she shows up in Mandalorian. You don't oh, have Bo -Katan. to... Oh, Bo-Katan. You don't have to know who she is no. and her history in The Mandalorian to appreciate no. her. It's like, oh, it's another Mandalorian from a different sect or whatever, and that's cool. But if you do know who she is, that's cooler. But don't put these things... Don't, don't reference the Flintstones in The Matrix, because... Uh, yeah. Bonnie... That didn't bother me as much as some of the other stuff. I mean, suddenly, look, hi, I'm Seraph. I'm here for another martial arts fight because. Yes. And it's like so clear, hi, 
You re- we really wanted to get Jet Lee, but he couldn't do it, which, by the way, is what happened. They wanted Jet Lee to play Seraph. Well, they could get him. He was too expensive. He wanted as much as oh. they were giving Keanu Reeves. Did you see who their second choice was? I don't know who that guy is. Not Guy. The second choice. Oh, the second choice. Oh, yes, they wanted Michelle Yeoh. Yes. Did you see why she oh. couldn't do it? I thought that was a scheduling conflict. Yeah, that's it, scheduling. Uh, Oh, my God, that would have been amazing. I know. Jet Li, however, uh, it was too much money. So Michelle Yeoh was scheduling contact. Uh, Yeah, and then one of the first things that Seraph, this amazingly cool character that we know absolutely nothing about. Yeah, um, just sort of appears out of nowhere. His first line is, I must apologize. And my assumption is the rest of the sentence is, for a pointless fight scene. But, you know. (laughs) And then he uh, says yeah. this this incredibly really deep and like zen makes you think line, which is you do not truly know someone until you fight them. It, it, I'm sorry, what? Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, that, that that one is just yeah that that whole fight sequence. I don't know what it's doing there. Uh, Max, I'd like to truly uh, know you. <laughs> fine, I will punch you in the face many times. Put him up, precious. <laughs> Yeah, bring the pain, lit ball. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it felt very much like someone yeah. was looking at their watch and going, oh, time for a fight scene. Because we keep having them, and they keep not, they just feel like a drag. It's like, can we get past this and see if there's actually any story going on? At least to me. Yeah, no, the, it gets boring, and that should never, you should never say that in what is effectively an action movie, a fight movie. Right. It should never get dull. Also, there's points where you just go, come on, really? Like, with the, when the Merovingians monsters, yeah. uh, I don't even want to, t- I don't want to get, they're shooting at Neo. Neo just holds up his hand and stops the bullets. I'm thinking, you can stop bullets with a gesture, but they can still punch you. And of course, then we get to that wonderful moment. Where we, I don't know if you thought this, but I did. It's like, behold the god who bleeds. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he actually gets his hand cut. You see, he's just a man. I'm like, no, he's not, dude. You saw him fly. You saw yeah. him ca- stop bullets with his hand. Why can't he just gesture and make them, you know, turn it, turn into ham steaks or some such? Or literally that throw them back at them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, that whole weird. I don't know what you would call it, mythology of, oh, yes, you know all those stories about monsters and aliens <sighs> and vampires? Those are just programs that didn't work properly. Like, okay, if you want to have guys who can turn into ghosts, just have guys who can turn into ghosts. It's virtual reality. You can do anything you want. Well, you don't we have do. to come up with this nonsense explanation. Well, they do have two guys who turn into ghosts. Uh, yes. I will, I will call them Ig and Ook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Hudson Hawk, my, my, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the Matrix explaining all myths away, all cryptozoology, all alien. It's just like, really? Why are you doing that? Like, do you, is there, why is there a need for it? I don't know. It's just, whatever. I mean, everything's fake. That's what they're telling us, is everything is fake. Yeah. Um, and of course, the weirdest part, if you really start to think about this, don't, it'll hurt, is if the computers are that good, that creative, I would anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would like to say, even as as lousy as his part in this is, Hugo Weaving is great. We love Hugo Weaving. He tries so hard. Yeah, it, it you really can tell he's trying to have fun. He's trying to bring some. He's trying to bring a little of that slight craziness that he brought to the first movie. 
but he doesn't have anything to work with. No. Um, he's he, apparently the first movie was a lot of fun. The second movie, not so much. I believe um, it to film. Uh, there was a lot of injuries. Like apparently, Keanu Reeves had uh, had to have neck surgery um, before. I, the film. I think Carrie Ann Moss broke her leg. She did during actually during a training sequence. Hey. <laughs> uh, and somebody else too got hurt. I forget who it was. Uh, a lot of people. A lot of a lot <laughs> a lot of Chevettes and uh, Chevelles yes. were yeah, yeah. making this one. Um, I would say, you know, characters like uh, Carrie Ann Moss, who is very grateful to the film because she said basically before The Matrix, I had no career at all. And suddenly she was, you know, something. Um, she has almost nothing to do here except, go, oh, Neo, no, Neo, no. And then, of course, we get she to see. She was so much more interesting in the first movie. Yeah. And she yeah. get her yeah. big scene. We get to see twice because, you know, that's that's a thing. Yeah. Um, I, I'd say Morpheus, I'd say Lawrence Fishburne does fine. He's actually given a juicy part at the end. It's actually nice to see what happens with when you have a fanatic come face to face with the fact that what he believes in is in fact demonstrably not true. Um, or, that, and, or that at least his interpretation of it was wrong. Right. And, and although I don't know about Lawrence Fishburne's delivery as Morpheus in that, that whole... He, he's like as, trying to be as expressionless as, as Smith in some ways. Yeah, well, he's the high priest or the cardinal or whatever. Um, the the acting, I would say, in general, is it almost almost between the acting and the sunglasses because the sunglasses <laughs> I saw were like it, this feels silly, especially when they're having a meeting in a dark room and everyone's wearing sunglasses. Ooh. <laughs> Why are you you're in virtual reality? Why don't you just make it shady if you can't see? I don't know. Yeah, um, and but between uh, that and and the acting, things start to take on a slight cartoonishness that I didn't feel in the first film. Um, I did, however, have I said I had a little breakthrough on the idea of the Matrix. I actually had a little breakthrough on on Keanu Reeves. Believe yeah. It or not. Yeah. So he's less an actor. And more an acting cipher. His deadpan performances in narrow emotional range better let the audience members interpose themselves into his role and therefore make the movie more immersive. It, mm. At least it sounds good. Um, this is actually a trick they do in comic books. Uh, the Japanese have done this a lot, where the main characters are very plain and they're not very detailed. This happens a lot in young adult fiction, too. People have pointed that out about the Twilight books, that uh, the character of Bella... <laughs> Is supposed to be so bland and uninteresting, <laughs> so it's easier for the reader to project themselves into this basically human Lego piece. <laughs> Are you trying to explain away Kristen Stewart? No. <laughs> Line. Oh. <laughs> Line. Uh, yeah, Kristen, honey, we're, we're we're filming now. Yeah. Well, it, it is a no, possibility. No, it, it's true. Yeah. I, okay, I can see that he is way more of a cipher. It's much easier to project. His Keanu Reeves. You know, now, of course, everyone loves Keanu Reeves as a person. Yeah. It doesn't change the fact that he is a profoundly mediocre actor. Yeah. He has one part that he does really well, and that's Ted from the Bill and Ted movies. <laughs> yeah. That, which he's wonderful at. I mean, he's so likable there. And just, uh, he plays the same kind of character in a movie called Parenthood. Oh, I didn't see With uh, Steve Martin. He has a small part in that. And he's basically playing a slightly older Ted. Oh, and, I mean, and he he's good there, but that's what he can do. I mean, if that is in fact what he's trying to do, this thing that I made up, um, it for films like John Wick, because you know John Wick is supposed to be this assassin, but you know there's obviously the for people who love actiony boom boom films, there's always the 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 sort of the James Bond thing where you kind of wish you were that guy, but of course James yeah. Bond is much more of a character, and these 
people as portrayed by by Keanu Reeves are less a character. Like, oh, his name is Thomas Anderson and he works at a computer job he doesn't like. Mm-hmm. Could be anybody. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I don't know if that's a thing or not. But if it's true, in a way it does work. We're more easily able to put ourselves in his place because there's less of him to dislodge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess. I, I could see that. I, I don't know if they were intentionally doing that in this movie, though. I think he's supposed to be this sort of messianic, pure figure. The I, you know, I, I keep waiting for him to say, "If it can be Thy will, let this cup pass my lips, Father." You know, hello, <laughs> I'm Jesus. How you doing? <laughs> I'm I'm Siddhartha. I'm all, I'm the I'm the Messiah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's pretty obvious that that's what they're going for, yeah. right? That's what the Wachowskis want us to believe. Um, although we find out he's actually number six. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Number two for where I'm sitting. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, he's Neo 6.0, which, which again is like, oh, really? Well, let's get to that scene in a minute. Uh, some, as you say, there are some people who are really trying. I like the yeah. Oracle. I loved her in the first movie. Yes. And this is sadly the last time we get to see her. This particular yeah. actor, she died during filming, so she's not it. They yeah. got someone else in the third movie. And yeah. honestly, in this, she's really even really annoying. She's just like all the others who are just giving vague, pseudo-philosophical non-answers to anything. You know, you already know, or whatever you... Huh? I guarantee Neo does not already know. (laughs) You've had the power to go home all along. (laughs) All right, you don't tell me how to get home right now. I'm going to start throwing out dead midgets. (laughs) Sorry, that's a quote from Dennis Miller. Yeah, yeah. Um, But but uh, she she's again she's trying and she's still coming across as likable. There are others like even. The keymaker, who I'm, I'm sorry, every time he shows up, all I think of, I am Vince Clortho, keymaster of Gozer. Are you the yeah, gatekeeper? I'm sorry, uh, that's just, yes. that's just an unfortunate name. Yeah. Did you recognize? Did you know who that is? No, that's the guy playing the keymaster is Master Uguay. That's oh Ra- my God, that's really? Randall Duck Kim. He does the voice for Master Uguay in the <laughs> Kung Fu Panda movies. I don't know. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, he was, I, I loved him in that. He, Randall Duck Kim is terrific. He's actually a Shakespearean actor. He's, Not in this. No. <laughs> and they give him nothing. I mean, literally, he is supposed to be a prop. The mm. key master, I mean, the Merovingian. Oh, God, if there was any more pretentious names they could use. Yeah. Uh, I, I, again, I'm sorry. When he first shows up and they're going into his restaurant, yeah. I, well, my first thought is, "Ha, I'm Frenchie." Did I mention I'm French? I'm Frenchie. <laughs> Old yeah, John the, the actor was told to like uh, heighten his French accent yeah, Lam- on purpose. What's his name? Frederick Lambert or something? He's uh, he is wasn't French. Christopher. And uh, <laughs> I don't think they're related. But no, oh, maybe oui, I am Greystoke. <laughs> It's like, oh my lord, listening to him, like, ah, causality, blah, blah, blah. And you, I swear, when he's saying the lines, he, he's got this look like, yeah, I don't know what any of this crap means either. I'm, I, I'm just going to go along with it. He gives his explanation, and he sits there waiting for anybody to say anything. Yes. Doesn't matter what they reply to, so he can just go, see? <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, I got to say... Um, if you want to uh, get Keanu to believe anything, just be stoic. 
Because you can be stoic and say whatever the hell you want. And apparently Keanu, without like doing any fact-checking, no. a Google search, he just picking buys up a it. book, he he'll just, just oh no. Like the architect comes, oh, you know, what oh, happened was this, this, and this. Uh, no, 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 no. Let's, let's wait till we get to the architect because he's a whole other thing. I just want to say the other... The, in the sequence with the Merovingian, the one good point in that in that scene to me is Monica Bellucci, who plays his wife Persephone. Right, and uh, she's there for five seconds. <laughs> These the show will now pause, so Max may sigh. Monica Bellucci is so gorgeous, and again, totally wasted in this movie. She is really good. She's great at this smoldering, mysterious sort sort of you know you know. Appealing, but there's something kind of wrong performance, and she gets to do nothing. Mm. Nothing. It's an utter waste. Uh, she actually does get to do one thing. She gets to introduce another fight scene. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, another fight scene, which then leads into another fight scene, which leads into the... Uh, I, I do have to say that the one line, and I think it's in, uh, an unintentionally funny in the in this movie, is when... This is clearly supposed to be the Los Angeles freeway they're getting on, even though I don't think right. they ever say it's Los Angeles, do they? No. No, but if you look at the exits, they yeah. are actual but exits on the 101. And <laughs> You always told me that getting on the freeway was suicide. I'm like, well, that's pretty much true. That's, that's not science fiction at all. I don't know if I've been on the 101. I've been on the, I think it's the 505. And it's not suicide, it's just boredom, because you get on and then you stop. <laughs> <laughs> that, which brings up again one of the flaws of this movie. There's no humor. There's one vaguely <laughs> funny moment which I like and which actually stands out, and that's when Neo's talking to the Oracle and she's at, you know, sit down. And, and he says, Maybe I prefer to stand. Says, but you already know what I'm going to do. And he sits down and he looks at her sideways and goes, I felt like sitting. <laughs> uh, okay, that's cute. But it's jarring because nothing else is cute. Nothing, there's no other... There's, it's so airless, this whole movie. There's no sense of fun. And there was in the first movie. There were well, funny humor. moments. What, where? There's, there's, all over the place. It's just they didn't intend it to be there. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what all. I mean. They didn't, make, they didn't have any... This movie is not fun. Well, like when Ig and Ook first turn uh. into their little ghost forms, they go, blah, 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 I'm your boyfriend now. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I personally thought that was funny because it's like, uh, I'm not scared. They're they're just like, they literally are going, blah, 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 yeah, yeah. at the camera. So, And we have super magic powers that uh, we don't have to define. They just work the way we want to, so too bad for you. You know who, um, the peop- the other people who show up in this, like the people who play the counselors in, in right. the, the Council of Zion, the... Hello, we're the, yeah. we're the big old people. You know who one of those was? That was Cornell frigging West. Was that the one who was a Bond villain? No, 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 no. Oh. He, he, was, he was the guy with the little metal thing under his chin. He only has like a couple of lines. Oh. He, he, oh that's Cornell West. My God, this guy is a major political voice. He's an activist. He's a philosopher, an author. And they give him all... And he's actually done other performances... He's not an actor technically, but he's got incredible presence. And the, it's like, hi, I'm Cornell West, and I'm in a Matrix movie. Next, yeah, maybe that's all he wanted. Maybe, maybe he wanted to. But the guy him. who was like, the guy who was the counselor who talks to Neo and takes him aside, he was a Bond villain. Yeah. <laughs> so as soon as he shows up, I'm like, don't trust him. Don't. Tr-. Oh wait, he's a good. Mostly, guy. he was uh, an evil hmm. cowboy in a lot of movies. I forget the actor's name. But- <laughs> He was. He was a. You mean, he was a cowboy. A lot of cowboy. Villains. You mean like the villain with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Kind of. Yeah. 
Yes, for those who don't believe it, there was in fact a cowboy movie with Kirk Douglas and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, yeah. And it, <laughs> Look it up, I dare you. I, yeah, it's like, it's like watching a live-action Roadrunner cartoon, some of it. <laughs> well, it they literally is that. Yeah. They actually use cartoon jokes, and it's it, it works beautifully. There, that was just me being mean. Uh, yeah, I agree with you about Persephone. Uh, we don't even know what she is. Is she another program? Kiss and kiss. What is kiss? Show me kiss. I mean... Yeah, the, the parallels between this and Star Trek are, are astounding. <laughs> and then, of course, there is the, the big confrontation at the end where they're going to go and go through the magic door of light that Neo has seen, and this is somehow going to end the war, and he ends up face-to-face with evil Colonel Sanders, <laughs> which is the are, are we doing this now? Yeah, we're going to... Are we doing this now? Okay, yeah, because I, am, I don't know what you thought. To me, that's where the movie just completely goes off the rails. It's already been wobbling pretty hard. <laughs> I was thinking more of coming to a complete and utter halt. Yeah. But, yeah. So, basically, the end of the film, if you haven't seen it, yeah, whatever. It's We told you there are spoilers. We do every week. You don't listen to us, yeah. but there they are. Uh, this guy shows up to uh, basically explain what's happened in the last two films <laughs> and to basically say, hey, you know that stuff you liked? Well... It's not true, and everyone's going to die, yeah. and they've done it before, so downer time. Um, it makes you really want to go see number three. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's like, we, Neo, yeah, you're part of the program. Yeah, yeah, so you're like, we've done you before. For whatever reason, it's always Keanu Reeves. We don't make a new one. Uh, it's just Keanu Reeves. I, I, but, I uh, have in my notes, it's like, so does that mean Keanu is a bug or a feature? <laughs> Uh, hey, we can have a little poll. Yeah. Hey, audience members, if you think uh, Keanu Reeves in this film is a bug, go ahead and vote for bug. If you think he's a feature, vote for a feature. Yeah. We'll tally the vote and get back to you. <laughs> uh, that whole idea yeah, that, yes, he's a, what, a necessary flaw in the... Uh, it, 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 he's you a know, stopgap, you know what? Really. We're not even going to... No, I'm not even going to bother. I am not going to bother trying to, to summarize what the architect says because it's gibberish... And it doesn't make it doesn't help. It doesn't advance the plot. It doesn't make any sense. And it just goes on and on. And it's supposed to be revelation, but it's just tedium. But at least while he's talking, you have images of Keanu in the background going, "You stink up yours. I hate you." Yeah, I, that's another thing I have in my notes. Why is it the previous versions of Keanu on the screens are more interesting than the one in the room? <laughs> They actually are emoting. They're having human reactions. They're interesting to watch. I mean, at one point, you see one giving the architect the finger. I'm like, yeah, yeah. why don't you do that? At least you did that in the first movie. You gave Agent Smith the finger. You were yeah. defiant back then. You were, as opposed to he's very passive, apart from the punching and kicking. As a character, <laughs> he's very passive in this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, uh, you know, character. Again, we're going to go with the whole cipher thing, which is, you know, I, I think I may have become a Matrix apologist. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's like this. It's, I actually felt like my partner, who is a big Star Wars apologist, and by that I mean, well, check out our show. But basically, yeah, I know this sucks, but I can still find cool stuff to pull out of it, turn into something even better. It's like okay, because that's why Star Wars still exists, really. Um, there's a lot of other questions I have. Yes, the architect scene is is. I, not a good way to end the movie. No. Um, of course, he's given two choices. One of it, which is to go to save Trinity, and the other, which is to I don't I uh, not have a third film. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> apparently, yeah, he's offered the choice to save Trinity 
or to save all of humanity. And I'm sorry, he cho- that's he makes what we, at least given the information he has, and as Mike points out, he has no idea if the architect is telling him the truth or if the architect is just full of crap. Yeah. But if he and believes that- the guy and he seems to believe him about all the other stuff, he is making an incredibly selfish choice. Like, yeah, I'm going to go save my girlfriend, even though it means the end of humanity. I mean, I literally think that if you held your face straight enough and you looked Neo right in the eye and you said, Neo, you of course know cheese is made of pudding, (laughs) that you'd get a reaction of, whoa. And he'd believe you because you were just like, because he never checks on anything. Um, You know, and there's... Besides the gibberish that you point out, which I swear the audience, I don't remember for sure, but I swear the audience, as soon as the uh, architect was done talking, all went, hey, wait a minute. And then, you know, there's a fight scene. Yeah. Because that's what you do. Um, There's tons of other questions. Like, we get to Zion. Zion, to me, is basically um, the Clone Wars of the original Star Wars. It's something that sounds cool that we don't really want to see. We think we do. But it's one of those great details that's never explained further than it needs to be, so we get to imagine it. Well, now we get to see it, and it's like, why is everything so dirty? (laughs) Well, they are underground. Uh, And again, let's see, they have all this high-tech, they have flying ships, but they haven't invented laundry. (laughs) Or apparently, underarm deodorant. uh, Nobody nobody washes their clothes, (laughs) Nobody, nobody appears to bathe much. But instead of suddenly interrupting this scene with a fight scene, we have, and now, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> stomp! <laughs> yeah, we have basically the Zion dance party. And of course, and, and we have Trinity and Morpheus, or not Morpheus, that might be more interesting, Trinity and Neo having standard American movie sex. Which is, right, I will lie naked on top of you while we make out. And we'll have occasional <laughs> you know, side shots and maybe one of us... I swear to God, neither of them look like they're having a good time. <laughs> I just kept waiting for Neo to look down deep into uh, Trinity's eyes and say, did we do it? <laughs> <laughs> I kept thinking Steve Martin has this great this line where he, he's doing his sort of a, a proto-wild and crazy guy and saying, because I know how to say the things a woman wants to hear, like, are you through yet? <laughs> The other thing that's really nice to know is that there are no fat or ugly people in Zion. Yeah, everyone is remarkably fit in Zion. I I do want to stop here, though, because I want to actually give this movie some real kudos. I'm not making this up. Okay. One of the things that we complain a lot about, especially in big, loud American films, is how incredibly white they are. This film is full of diversity. Yeah, that is true. There's a lot of there's a lot of women of color. There's women of color characters that are main people, like Captain Niobe. Um, the most of the captains of the ship seem to be black or Hispanic or Asian. So, and I didn't actually remember that when I'd seen this film, which is how it should be. There should be tons of characters from tons of backgrounds, and it doesn't matter. And that's one thing that this movie gets right. There's the, 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 especially that dance scene. I, I, it's a real mix, and that was actually really nice to see. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, all of these uh, wonderfully diverse characters have absolutely no personality. Captain no. Niobe, well, who, who is Jada Pinkett Smith, seems like, oh, wow, this is, could be a really interesting character. Nope, she's gone. Okay, that's fine. Uh, oh, she's back. Good. Now we're going to. Nope, she's gone again. All right, fine. 
Well, we almost get some character development with the, I guess he's the first mate on the Nebuchadnezzar, whose name, he's the one who takes the place of Dozer. I don't remember his character's name. Link. Um, Link, that's right. Come on, how could you forget that? All I, all I kept thinking is, Link is down! <laughs> that's a deeper. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, you know, we get to see him with his wife, who basically doesn't want him to go off to war, which, you know, and it's, it's basically, let's give this guy a moment. We can pretend it's character development. And then we basically don't have to talk to him again, which is kind of too bad. And sure, the two main characters, meaning uh, Neo and Trinity, and if you want to include Smith, sure, are all white. But there's lots of... Morpheus is not, um, and he does have a major part. There's lots of characters that are of different races, and that's actually really cool. So I do like that. Um, We do want to get to our little questions, though. I I don't think it's going to take long to answer them. Yeah. The first is... Uh, does this sequel feel like a natural continuation of the original movie's story? Uh, you know, to be fair, it starts out that way. It does sort yeah. of pick up where the last one left off. We we see the you know it's trying to answer the questions that uh, the first one left open. It just happens to do it very badly. Yeah. So yeah, I guess so. What do you think? Um, I, I'm going to be in the exact same boat you are, um, partially because it's a nice big boat and they have great drink service. Um, but uh, I I think this is another one of those cases like Harry Potter where you show the magic and you really shouldn't stop and explain it because when you do, it really doesn't make any sense. So, you know, things like Zion and because we see his superpowers at the end. Of, he's a superhero. Neo is a superhero. Yeah. He's Captain Everything. Yeah. And in this film, like that fight with the monsters, it's like he his hand gets cut. Why? There's literally no point to no. it. There shouldn't have even been a fight. We saw at one point where he's weaving around and he's basically got a hundred arms, right? Why yeah. doesn't he do that? Mm. So it's like, oh, well, he has to be vulnerable. Uh, well, you blew that, didn't you? Because you basically said at the end of the film, he's everything. He's our savior. Yeah, I, if um, he can manipulate the code of the Matrix, I don't know why he doesn't just look at the room full of uh, bad guys and go, delete star dot star. <laughs> what do you think? Your computer is not voice activated. Yeah, I mean, or when? Yeah. Uh-oh. Uh oh. <laughs> uh, even when he's like pulling, you know, Trinity is dying, and he saves her with his magic matrix Jesus powers, and he does I'm this done, by I'm reaching done. inside her and pulling the and bullet out. And all I can think of is she's sitting up, and she must be going, "Ow! Get your hand out of my chest cavity." <laughs> Yeah. Why don't you just do well, delete bu- star bullet star? <laughs> <laughs> well, and then he reaches back in and gives her super neo yeah. zap twelve hundred or what you know whatever. Um, but I, so yeah, it starts off being a continuation. The problem is, is that they think they kind of wrote themselves into a corner. That all of the cool stuff is going to happen in our imaginations. It kind of can't happen on the screen. Yeah. Uh, which leads to the second question, and I think this is actually a question I wish more directors would ask themselves before they make a sequel, which is, does the sequel surpass the original, and does it need to? Huh. Uh, no. I don't think it does, and I don't think it needs to. The first Max, move... it totally does. It's far <laughs> more expensive than the first Yeah, it's far more expensive and made a hell of a lot more money, so in that way, yes, it surpassed it in terms of box office. Yeah. But uh, I got to say, no, I don't think so. I don't think it surpasses it. I don't think it equals it. And I don't, I don't think it needed to. I think the first mm-hmm. one did what it was supposed to do. I thought it was, it was a good self-contained movie. And I understand why they made the sequel when it makes that much money. Of course, these days, it's a foregone conclusion. 
movie made money, movie make get sequel. It's a pretty much to use it again to use old computer programming language, which no one uses anymore. It's an if then. Movie bad, <laughs> movie go away. <Yeah. laughs> movie good, movie gets or not movie good, not even movie good. Movie make money, yeah. movie get sequel. Yeah. I, I, same thing. I don't like this better than the, they, they start to try to explain the man behind the curtain. We don't want to see that. We think we do, but we don't. We don't want to see how things work in this case. Sometimes with like, do I want to see a, a person build a clock and see how a clock works? Sure. That's cool. There's not magic in a clock. It's just something I don't understand. Yeah. When you explain magic, it falls apart. It's no longer nearly as interesting as what we might think it could be. Um, and I, if you try to surpass your own original, and to be fair, as Max pointed out, the Matrix has been enormously influential, oh, especially yeah. visually. They're still doing stuff that's Matrix based, you know. And this film was, you know, the original Matrix was over twenty years ago. But when you make that as your goal, obviously this one, I'm sure it says somewhere we have to have more fight scenes, yeah. we have to have a better car chase. Has Everything be has to be bigger, bigger, bigger. It can't yeah. just take place in a few city blocks. It has to be the whole world. Yeah. It, it, uh, that should not be your goal. The goal should always be the story. And even the story doesn't have to be better than your original. That, the goal should be it has to be as good. It has to be a good story. It should be a natural and, outgrowth. You know, it should just... Yeah. Or you don't do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, man, I've gone through pretty much all my notes. Um uh, that, pretty much, yeah. Do you have anything that uh, we didn't get to? Uh, just you know, one or two minor things, like the, the so-called cliffhanger at the end, where A, we find out that Neo can use his super magical Matrix powers in the real world because reasons. Right. That, again, was something that, I, that people were speculating uh, on that in the third movie they kind of crap out on. And that was like, wow, what if the, that what they think is the real world is actually another Matrix? Mm. And, you know, that would be really, that is not, spoiler, that's not what happens. Mm. And also, the whole cliffhanger is predicated, that because we see Neo is, in, is incapacitated, he's on a table next to a guy, and there's lots of threatening music, and you have, it's, that the threat level and the tension is based on, you have to remember that in a 45 second scene, somewhere in the middle of the movie, this guy with a mustache showed up and was about to try to stab him, but didn't. Right. So, if you yeah. don't recognize Mustache Guy, that fi <laughs> that final shot doesn't make any sense. And it Max, are you saying that Mustache Dad took over this guy? <laughs> if Mustache Dad, if Mustache Dad had taken over, I would the the sequel would have been so much better. Line, the <laughs> <laughs> Mustache Dad. <laughs> But, uh, yeah. yeah, that's what I get for notes. So uh, I yeah, think we should now uh, we we should spend the tension that our <laughs> audience has been yeah. feeling about whether we like this film or not. So um. the roundup. I'll start, Max. Yeah. No. Now you. <laughs> Come on! How obvious is it? I didn't even get to answer my question. Oh, no, my burning, itching question. <laughs> no, I, uh, I don't think this is good. I don't enjoy it. I've this is an action movie, and I got bored watching mm. it. Especially this is the first time I was like waiting for it. They're like, okay, and I. Uh, it's also great for it's great riff tracks fodder, but 
Uh, you're not supposed to sit there and go, God, another fight? When is this going to be over? In an action yeah. movie, you're, you're supposed to get into it, and I don't, and I think this just doesn't work, and it's a criminal waste of some really talented people. Yeah. What about you? Well, before we get to me, real quick, when you you saw this in the theater, I right? did. Do you remember how you felt then? Yeah. I was really disappointed. Hmm. Were you eager to see the third one? No. And yet I'm sitting there going, and like an idiot, I know I'm going to see the third one. Yeah. But, yeah, when I saw the second one, I was like, I don't believe this. Uh, they they took something that was terrific, and they did that. Mmm, corn that tastes like candy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Son of a bitch! Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I actually, as again, because of my little I, realization, my little imaginatory... That's not a word. No. Uh, <laughs> imaginative rewriting yeah. of the Matrix lore. Which, of course, to be, the, the sad part is is that they don't actually do any of that. It's like, I wish the film had done this. I wish they had explored what it is to me to be human. To, to, and what is, you know... To how, be is that like line? the human. <laughs> <laughs> not, Thanks, Phil Tucker. Not like the um, Roman. Yeah. Wow, that, that is deep, deep, deep. Uh, unlike this film. Uh... If they had made the Matrix into a study or at least a a questioning of what it is like to be human and when our own creations reach that level and then what, I I think if they had had to face each other, if if Smith especially, or the architect, (laughs) uh, and Neo had to face each other and decide which of them was more human... Or which of them was more machine? Something. There are arguments to be had on either side, and you might—they might go look. How do you make these feelings? We can experience them, but we can't make them, and we are now addicted to them. And Neo can go, "Well, how come you do smart things?" Maybe <laughs> the problem is you're reading way more into this than they yeah. did, than they put into it. That's one of the things that annoys me about this movie. It feels like a high school philosophy class. It feels like just very shallow it's trying so hard to be deep and meaningful and there's no there there it's trying to mine deep into something that's very shallow well they they deliver those lines those ones that you know are supposed to be like and then they quickly go to a fight scene so you don't have a chance to go wow that's hey wait that doesn't make any sense at all (laughs) no it doesn't you're just making it up (laughs) cheese is pudding no (laughs) yeah uh yeah, oh, no. and I spe- specifically, yeah, me too, no. I specifically, is like, do I watch the third one? And it's like, no, the film needs to stand on its own. I know it's part of a series, but if it leaves me feeling unfulfilled to its own story, that's its problem. It shouldn't make me go, I can't, it, it's fine if it makes me go, I want to find out what happens next. I want to know what happens to these characters. If it makes me basically go, the only reason I'm going to watch the third one is to see them disprove the second one, <laughs> then I don't want to see it. So... But uh, we have some business to take we care do. of, and I'd like to uh, just remind our, our patrons and our listeners and customers and whatever. Customers, we don't sell anything. <laughs> Although we could, would you like us to? Let us know by using our email address. That's us at maxmikemovies.com. And you may have guessed that with an email address comes a website. Ooh, website. On the website, you will find every episode we've ever recorded and super special secret ones we haven't yet. Uh, Wait. Uh, anyway, our no, website address... <laughs> Their webs- Shh, you're giving it away. <laughs> the website address is maxmikemovies.com, where you can also leave comments if you want. So you can email the comments or suggestions. Sometimes we do series based on listener comments. 
If you want to argue that The Matrix is the best movie franchise ever, and here's 50 words or less why, feel free. Um, go to our website, uh, find our old episodes, our old series, our specials, so on and so forth. And hey, you can also find us on social media such as Twitter and Facebook under, guess again, it is in fact Max Mike Movies. Uh, you've got a podcast app you like, we're probably there. We're on Spotify, iHeartRadio, in uh, probably places we don't even know exist. Mm -hmm. So don't forget. But something's going to happen next week. Max, what is happening next week? It was after the apocalypse. There was nothing to do but look for beer. <laughs> oh, Yo, are you alien? Are you friend or foe? No, hey, radiation has made me an enemy of civilization, eh? <laughs> Sorry. No. Yes, this is one of the early dystopian post-apocalyptic movies. And it is, not everyone realizes that this is, in fact, a sequel. The Road Warrior. This is actually Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior. But Mad I Max. I want you to watch your blood pressure. Don't be so mad. Grrr. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to be talking about, the, about this Mil Mel Gibson opus before he started screaming at police and blaming all the wars on the Jews. Although, I don't know, maybe, space lasers. it may be that the Jews were the ones who started the apocalypse in this movie. I don't know. He doesn't actually say. But, it, yeah, it was probably our space lasers that did it. <laughs> See? He admits it. It's <laughs> oh, true. Damn space it. lasers. You heard it here first. Uh, space lasers. Space lasers. All right. Lasers. Target Mike's house. This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench.